Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Mastering College to Career podcast. I am your host, Daniel Botero, and in this podcast, we help college students just like you get internships and job offers from top companies. In this podcast, we explore topics such as networking, interviewing, resume writing, and many other topics that will get you those jobs. Not only do I speak on these topics myself, but I also interview other subject matter experts, including CEOs, university presidents, and Fortune 500 executives. We also interview college students just like you in the hopes that you can relate to their stories and learn from their journey. So if you're a college student looking to get ahead, look no further and welcome to the Mastering College to Career podcast. All right, so before we get started, I want to take a couple of seconds to tell you about the Mastering College to Career Academy. The Academy is a mentoring program that helps college students land the jobs of their dreams before they graduate. In this academy, I will teach you application hacks that will automatically help you beat over 90% of all other job applicants, networking tactics that will give you access to the hidden job market where over 80% of jobs are filled, interview techniques that will practically guarantee you make it through every round of the interviews and win the offer. And I will also connect you with my network of thousands of HR professionals and hiring managers that love hiring my students. So if you're interested in learning more about this program, just send me a message and let's see if the Academy is a good fit for you. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome back to this episode of the Mastering College to Career Podcast. And today I have a special guest with me today. I have Erica Sande, and she is the Director of Talent Acquisition for Experian. And today we're just gonna talk about just talent acquisition, college recruiting, um, Erica has an amazing, amazing background. I'm so excited to have her on the show. And so without further ado, Erica, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thanks, Daniel. I'm doing really well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing, you know, with everything going on, it's going, I'm doing great. You know, I've been at home for the last six weeks, but um, I've got a lot of things done. It's been a productive six weeks. How about you? Same here. It's definitely an adjustment. I've been working remote for almost two months now. Um, I, myself and my team worked remote a couple days a week as part of the benefit of working in talent acquisition and experience. So this wasn't a, a huge adjustment, but I think the bigger adjustment was making it full time and really adjusting to the infrastructure, uh, making sure that we were, you know, set up to successfully work 100% of the time remote. And I think as we sit here at this point in time, we still don't quite know what our return to work will look like. So it's really adjusting, I think, for the long term and really just trying to make sure that we're maintaining, you know, positive candidate experiences, you know, strong interactions with our team members as well as our hiring managers because our, our jobs haven't changed. It's just how we interact with people that's, that's been slightly modified. Well, yeah, I can, I can just imagine, my, like I was, we were talking earlier, my wife too, she went from working two days remote to working now for the last two months remote. And it's interesting to see how, like, because she's, she's worked in a team environment, how they're still able to work as a team and how things are changing to adjust to what's going on. So that's very interesting. Well, Erica, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and how did you end up in HR? Because I've never met a <laughs> someone in high school or middle school that says, I want to be in HR when I grow up. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I certainly wasn't one of them either. I'm one of those people that I can say kind of fell into human resources. It was an opportunity, which I think is a really good kind of uh, theme for, for part of our conversation today. So 
I won't, I won't give how old I am, um, but if we go back to when I was a, an undergraduate, um, I focused on uh, broadcast journalism. So that was my major. I interned um, in television. I was hell-bent and set on being a broadcast journalist. Um, really love it. Still love the news today. Still love journalism. So when I was in college, I was going to school full-time, worked part-time at a credit union in the call center. And I did that and with the anticipation that once I graduated school, I would find a full-time job in journalism. I would likely have to relocate from Southern California where I was born and raised to some smaller market because broadcast journalism is extremely competitive. So you don't start in New York or LA, you typically start in smaller markets like Lubbock, Texas, which at the time I'd never even heard of when I was 22. So what happened essentially is that I, I ended up graduating. Um, I was applying, I was sending out my demo reels to various markets um, throughout the United States in hopes of landing a, a broadcast journalism job. And um, then unfortunately, um, our country went through a, a, a major disaster and a, a horrible thing happened and that was 9-11. So after 9-11, as uh, some people will know on this, on this podcast, um, a lot of people kind of froze um, the company or country rather didn't really know what to do and people were just kind of stuck and didn't feel you know that they were going to be making moves people weren't making jobs moves. people weren't moving um, and it was super competitive already so at that time I actually about a year later I ended up getting engaged and I wasn't in a position to relocate and just up and leave California um, because my personal life in that situation had changed which was okay but interestingly, in the meantime, the credit union that I was working for part-time in college, um, someone from the HR department had approached me and asked me if I would consider working in HR. They had a, an opening for an HR coordinator. And I thought, you know, HR sounds antiquated, sounds boring, um, sounds nothing like what I just spent the last four years studying. <laughs> doesn't sound like anything I really want to do, but sure, yeah, I'll look at it. I was really apprehensive. Um, they really encouraged me to do it. They thought I had a the right background, a great personality for it. And so I went for it and I interviewed, I went all the way up to the chief HR officer and they hired me and I took the job and that's kind of where it started. And that was, you know, 18 plus years ago now. And, and the, the greatest gift and kind of the opportunity I would say that came from that is A, I was open to doing something different. It's not that I don't still have a passion for broadcast journalism or, or miss, you know, having the opportunity to have gone into it. I still see the pluses where I was able to apply my learnings from school, you know, communication, you know, written communication, verbal communication, relationship building, all the things that were necessary to be a successful journalist apply to HR. So it's not like everything I did in school was a waste. I didn't waste my time. I still feel that I'm applying those skills and those learnings to my job today, you know, even 18 plus years later. So I was a, I was a coordinator for that organization. And I supported many different facets of that, that HR group. So payroll and the recruiting department and talent development, and benefits and employee relations. And then about a year and a half later, the recruiter ended up leaving and they approached me and said, do you want to be the recruiter? And I thought, wow, this is, there's only one recruiter job in this company, but I have literally no experience. I've supported the recruiter. I just did the functions, but I was never really a recruiter. So they actually invested in me. And they hired a professional consultant to coach me for one year. I had a personal coach come out and see me once a week um, at my job and coach me on, on basically how to become a recruiter. It was one of the most awesome experiences I've ever had because I thought this company really believes in me. They're investing in me. And I fell in love with it. And I knew that at that point, you know, of all the facets of HR and all the different centers of excellence I could have worked in, 
recruiting was really where I wanted to be. And so kind of the rest is history. Um, I worked my way up. I moved into different industries. I worked in the mortgage industry. I went into the legal industry um, for several years before joining Experian five years ago. And I've moved my way up into people leadership and I love it. And like I said, it was an opportunity that that kind of came to me. And like I said, I was apprehensive and I, I wasn't really super excited about it, but I went for it and look where it got me. I couldn't be happier. And I still have a passion for journalism. I still love the news. I still keep in touch with people, especially when I intern there. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it was kind of a gift that I didn't know I was going to receive. But again, it was, it was an opportunity for me to find a passion, you know, something else that I could apply my skills and uh, capabilities to. And, and here I am. So that's, that's my story. I fell into HR. I had absolutely no plans to do this for a living, but I love it. I don't stay in it because I have to. I stay in it because I like it and I love it and I enjoy doing it. I really enjoy working my way up and, and being a people leader. That's amazing. One really, one really awesome thing that just stuck, stuck out uh, when you're talking about this was that you're where you were, when you're a recruiter in HR, that's not, you didn't go to school for that, right? Like you went to school for journalism. Yeah, you, you fell into HR. So now that you're on the other side of the table, right? The one is making a decision on where, who to hire, which student to hire. How important is the major of the student? And does it depend on the job, right? Maybe like if it's a more technical skill, like a, a STEM field, like you, I would hope they were, went to uh, computer science or engineering versus a business or a more liberal arts degree. It's a great question, and it kind of depends on the company. I've seen it. I've seen it approached differently. But you know, for let's start up with the STEM, the STEM area. So I think for for your for your engineers and your 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 computer scientists and your architects, I think it's extremely important to have a degree in that space in order to move into that role. So, but it's not impossible to not to have not been a major, you know, or to have majored in that in school and become an engineer. There's a lot of boot camps actually right now where people are making career changes where they might be a, a waiter or they could be, you know, in, in banking and then they decide, you know what, I want to be an engineer. And they have these boot camps and they do these fast track boot camps and they come out and then, then they get hired because there's such a high demand for technology. So I think it's extremely important to answer your question that your degree or your focus or your major aligns with what you'd like to do. But what I think I'm trying to get at is that it's not necessary for it to only be that way, thinking that you're not, you're not pigeonholed, if you will, into one area. You don't have to stay in that area. There's a lot of skills. And again, take my example. I, I majored in broadcast journalism. I'm not even anywhere in that area, but I'm still applying those skills and those learnings to my current job, and I will continue to do so. A lot of companies I find now, they want degrees, period, degrees in, in, in anything, but they want to see that someone got their undergrad, they completed, they started it, they completed it. I think the farther you get on in your career, so when you think of like mid-level professionals up into the more senior professionals, having a degree is the most important, whether the, the, the company's requiring an undergrad or a graduate degree or even a PhD, that's important, but it's not always necessarily the major that's going to you know, decide, you know, whether or not you're qualified. Because a lot of times at that point in your career, companies are looking at the amount of experience you have. Because it's not, oh, I studied this 25, 30 years ago, so I must be qualified. You bring something to the table, but really your experience, and especially your more recent experience in the last five to 10 years, is even more important and pertinent. So that's what most of them are focusing on at this point. 
what I found, and obviously, please correct me if you've seen it differently or if I'm wrong, because definitely I could be very wrong sometimes. So um, <laughs> what I found is that when it comes to a more technical degree, the major plays a bigger role and is a bigger factor. Like your GPA just becomes a bigger factor of hiring or not. When, they, when it's a non-technical job, where it's like a management or a leadership program, it's not so much about the major because you can have a communication major, uh, journalism major, and still have great internships or leadership experience that validate that you have those, I would say soft skills, but soft skills is definitely not the word like to really use, that complement that your major is not gonna be as weighted heavily. Like, you know, have you found it to be the case? Uh, yeah, and again, I think, and again, I think in the technical space, I mean, I, there's like technical, non-technical, and I think technical is so, so important right now because it's in such high demand. Yeah. So yes, I think hiring managers are looking for people that have degrees in that space. It would be unusual for someone to come in as a mid-level, you know, software engineer and have, you know, no experience in, in the space or have, have graduated. You might have graduated with a degree in the STEM field. And, and like me, you didn't do anything with it right after school. Maybe you went into a completely different industry. That's okay. But again, if you're going to look back 15 years and say, yeah, but I have a degree in engineering, but you haven't done anything in engineering for the last 15 years, again, does that really qualify? You know, that's, I could turn it around on myself and say, if I wanted to make a career change right now and go back into broadcast journalism, could I? Maybe, maybe not, right? I have a lot of the skills, but I haven't done anything. I haven't worked in in, in print journalism or broadcast journalism. I haven't done anything in that space since I was in, in college. And, and so understandably, most companies probably wouldn't look at me and say, yeah, we'd want to put you, you know, back on and, and you'd be a news reporter, which is what my aspirations were when I was in school. So think of it that way. And that's why I bring up the experience level. I absolutely think going to school, finishing your degree and focusing on a career in that space is very important. What I want people to realize is that the experience that you bring when you're more senior, like mid-level to more senior is just as important and if not more important. Because again, at that point, at that level, companies are looking to see what have you done? It's not, and what have you achieved, right? What, what have been your big, big accomplishments? Because they want to see if, if, if the past kind of past behaviors predict future behaviors, they're going to want to see what you've, what you've done there because they think that you're going to be able to apply it to their company. So one of the things that when I'm having conversations with students, and even recently, I hear a lot of students saying, well, it's going to be really hard for me to get a job, which it is, right? But it's going to be really hard for me to get a job, not just because there's less jobs opening, but if companies are laying off a lot of people and these people have a lot of experience, why would a company hire college students versus hiring somebody that's applying for the same job that, is, that it has five to 10 years of experience? Yeah, there could be two reasons. And I think it also kind of depends on when you're talking about is it during COVID, pre-COVID, Canada's market and employer's market. But I think there's two reasons. One of the reasons, let's think kind of pre-COVID, why would a company want to hire college students instead of an experienced hire? One reason is to diversify their workforce and really grow their own talent. Sometimes in specific markets, like let's say Indianapolis, for us was always really difficult to find um, folks for our decision analytics group. And so we came to the, the kind of the, the feeling that we really had to, to hire entry level, like right out of school and do kind of like the grow your own talent because we couldn't find those experienced workers in that market. So that was one reason why we chose to hire college students instead of experienced hires. Another reason is to think about college students usually 
have a really strong appetite to learn. They're very eager to please. They're very excited to absorb as much as humanly possible. So companies like that, right? They want that energy. I think it's college students also tend to bring a different perspective, just like anyone. But when we talk about diversity and inclusion, we're also thinking about diversity of thought, diversity of experience, their backgrounds. But, you know, college students can bring a lot of new ideas and a fresh perspective, especially when you think about, you know, spaces in, you know, technology, but also like in social media. Um, oftentimes, you know, students are, are very attuned to their, their social media channels and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and all this. And if companies are looking to hire for things like that, that could be a really great way to get a fresh perspective. The other side of the coin is, and, and you kind of um, touched on this a moment ago, it could be for financial reasons and budgetary reasons, right? So some companies may not be able to afford to hire someone that's mid-level. Um, they might need to, to you know, hire someone at a, at a more junior level, more entry level, and then train them up. But they, they cost less, right? Because you're bringing less experience to the table. So we can, you know, companies like Experian can, can, can afford to, to hire more college and kind of entry-level students. Um, and workers versus hiring seniors. But again, it's, it just kind of depends on the reason. Again, I think it's kind of two-pronged. It's one, it's to diversify the workforce and grow, your, grow the talent from scratch. We're the first ones to train you. You kind of, we don't have to, you know, train a new person, um, you know, from, from their old ways. We're, we're, we're bringing people on and training them our way, which is a big plus. But then again, like I said, on the flip side, I think it also has to do with, with budgetary. And if people are being laid off right now, I'm not suggesting that people right now that are going to be affected or have been affected by layoffs due to COVID are going to be replaced by entry level. I think that there are times, you know, outside of COVID where companies couldn't afford to keep senior employees at some point and might needed to bring on additional headcount and couldn't afford to bring on additional senior level headcount. So that's when bringing in entry level talent made more sense. Yeah, I think that's important for students to think because it's, it's different strategies. And I think, at least even from my experience in the corporate world, my boss were always talking to me about how they we want diversity. So I was in this management training program for PepsiCo, Erica, and I was, a, I was trained, I was hired to be a district manager. It took me nine months to get certified in this whole long program. And to give you an idea, in Orlando, where I was, I worked for two years as a district manager before I got promoted, there was 15 district managers that covered the Central Florida area. And in my, the director's boss, he wanted a five, five people coming out of, five district managers to be from college students who come from the college program, five to be from experienced hires, so like ex-Publix managers, ex-Walmart managers, ex-Target managers that have come from the industry. And then five people to be from salespeople that got promoted. So like work, for, like hire from within. And he said, it was never perfect, right? It was never a perfect balance, but that was the aim is to have this balance. And he said it more than anything is because it brought this diversity of thought. And that really was his, what he considered his secret to having such a successful team year after year after year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think, you know, diversity and inclusion is a really hot topic, right? It's extremely important um, for, for most companies. And, you know, to me, diversity and inclusion is more than just gender, race, and, and you know, identity in that sense. Diversity to me also includes, again, diversity of thought, background, skill set, experiences. Because again, when people come to work for Experian or for any company, they're bringing their whole, their whole self and their whole background with them, right? Everything that they've known, everything that they've done, everything that they've tried. And to me, that's diversity because you're bringing that 
and you're, you're combining that with the people that already work there. And that's how amazing innovations happen, right? That's how new things come to play. We can't hire the same people, the same like-minded people. We don't want to hire all from one company. We don't want to hire all from Facebook, all from Amazon. Those are great companies, and we aspire to hire from those folks, and we, and we do because they have some very talented people. But that being said, we don't want to mimic and, and have the same thing. We want a diverse workforce in every sense of the word. And that, again, like we've talked about, does include diversity of thought and skill set. So again, college students bring, bring a, a different perspective, just like other generations bring different perspectives. But when you bring, you know, like right now, I think we have like five different generations that are currently in the workforce. What an amazing time for innovation, right? What an amazing time for, for cool things to happen and, and to, to come about from that. And, and that's exciting. And, you know, from a recruiting perspective, it's, it's, it's exciting for us too, because it's, it's really about casting a wide net when we think about, you know, how we're going to source for talent and, and where are we going to bring these people from. But there's so much, so much amazing, so many amazing things that are happening because of our diverse workforce. And I want people to realize that, you know, regardless of the level of, you know, you are in your career, the amount of experience you have, you bring a lot to the table. So whether you're just getting out of college or you've been out of college for a couple of years, you have value to bring to the table. You just need to make sure that you're identifying that and that you're bringing that, you know, to the attention of companies that you're applying for. It's really about, you know, your, your personal brand and, and, and how you market yourself. Hey, Daniel here. We've just hit the middle of the episode, but before we move on, I want to share the story of one of the students who recently went through my academy. Hey everybody, I'm Ashley, and I'm currently a guest experience management intern at Walt Disney World, and quite honestly, uh, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for joining the Mastering College to Career Academy. Before the Academy, I had a pretty good plan on where to go, but I didn't know how to get there. So thanks to joining the Academy and going through all the content and just engaging with Daniel and you know and himself on LinkedIn and everything, I was able to build up the courage, basically, build up my resume, and just apply for this amazing program that I'm a part of right now. Um, it, what's amazing is that I get to park every single day right next to um, the Tron construction. So I get to see all of that in action, um, being a management intern, and it's so great. I absolutely love it, and I recommend that you join as well so you can be a part of something great that's gonna help with your career, and it's less than even a class, like a college credit. So definitely you get your money's worth. Uh, so please do it and just go out there and get your dream internship and or job. So, okay. So yeah. If you want me to help you reach your career goals, just contact me. And now let's get back to the rest of the show. How would you suggest like a student to stand out, right? Like, because students have always been trained to just be like, just apply online. And what I found is that visibility sometimes is more important than ability because there's a lot of talented people who just apply online but never get noticed. And, mm -hmm. and then there's also people who are maybe not necessarily as talented, but because they were able to get in front of the right person, they had a chance, mm -hmm. right? And, 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 and so yeah. visibility becomes sometimes even better than ability. But how, what advice do you have to get visibility for the people who are, you know, who might have the, the right skills, be, might be the right cultural fit? I think there's, there's several things people can do. First of all, 
again, going back to the current time that we're in, but even before then, to stand out, you know, students really need to, to do something different. Don't do what everyone else is doing, right? There's a, there's a lot of competition um, out there for jobs, especially now. So students need to kind of create their own path. But we can talk about a few things that, that really stand out to me. So first and foremost, know what it is that you're passionate about. Do your research. Identify companies that align to what you're wanting to do in your career and, and really think outside the box. Remember my story, right? I, I majored in broadcast journalism. I um, had aspirations to do that, but something, you know, an, oppor an opportunity came my way and I opened the door and, and I couldn't be happier than I am now. But don't limit yourself, right? Don't, don't think super narrow. Really think, think broadly about, you know, where can you apply your skills? But I think knowing what it is that you're passionate about and identifying companies that align to your passions is, is kind of first and foremost, because you don't want to just start, you know, applying to everything and everyone because that's going to get you nowhere except for extremely frustrated. When I talk about kind of thinking outside the box, right now especially, you know, think about doing contractor temp work. If you can get an assignment, even if it's for, you know, four to six weeks or maybe a few months, don't, don't turn, your, don't turn your, uh, your shoulder to that. Think about it and really consider if that's something that could help you. You never know what doors could open from, from an internship or a, a contractor temp work. Um, you know, and plus your development is, is really key. Always learning and, and always, you know, finding new skills and new things that you can take away with you and, and put on your resume. That's kind of your arsenal, right? That's what represents you. So um, also keep in mind that there's a lot of companies that are conducting virtual career fairs, especially now during COVID. So while opportunities may have slowed down a bit, there are still companies that are hiring um, and, and virtual career fairs are, are kind of the, the new thing while, you're, while your school campuses can't, you know, unfortunately host those at this point. So think about those things when you think about, you know, what you can do and how you can stand out. That being said, some of my other tips uh, would include, you know, making sure that you're taking advantage of your school's career services. Um, many times companies even like Experian will reach out to career services centers like directly to post opportunities and advertise for specific needs, um, especially when we're looking for engineers in the technical space. Sometimes we go straight for those engineering schools um, and, and target those groups specifically and, and work with the career services department so they know who to Kind of send out our, our opening to so we can so we can find those the right students and the right the right candidates. Another way to really kind of stand out and to make yourself known is is first you know update your LinkedIn profile. If you don't have a LinkedIn profile, make sure you get one. LinkedIn is is the place to be, especially now. Um, really important that you have a, a nice a nice picture. Definitely put a picture on there um, and and really complete. Take the time to complete your LinkedIn profile. It doesn't take too long, but there's a lot of great features on there. And as a recruiter, we spend a lot of money and a lot of time um, in LinkedIn recruiters. So we have licenses where we can search an entire database. And so we have access to everybody in LinkedIn. So think about how many people we can pull up in a search and what's going to make you pull up in our search. So keep in mind what you put on there. Also make sure that you update your, your resume and cover letter and, and be specific to the company and the job that you're applying to. It's not kind of a one size fits all anymore. Um, when you think about standing out and I said, don't kind of do what everyone else is doing, don't make sure that you're doing something different, right? Make sure that you're standing up because again, your personal brand and your ability to market yourself is gonna be what differentiates yourself from others. And that's gonna be what catches the eye of employers. I talked a lot about um, personal branding and marketing. As I said, setting yourself apart, illustrate why you're the best person for the job. 
customize your resume, any other materials that you need um, to apply to for the role, then make sure that you're making it you know, company specific. It's a little bit extra work on your end, but when you look at the skills and look at, a, look at the company and what it is that they're looking for, make sure that those two things match. Make sure that you're not, you know, that you're showing them, you know, exactly why it is that you'd be a great person for that job. You need to put, you show what your value is, right? So don't be generic and don't use the same resume for every single job that you apply to. Networking is key. Networking has always been key. It's, it's going to become even more critical as I think as we continue through this pandemic. Um, but identifying people within your network to connect with, um, you know, strike up a conversation about potential opportunities. Find out if their company's hiring. Maybe they know somebody that's hiring. You never know who people in your network know. Um, so they, it might be their, their coworkers, cousins, sisters, neighbor that, that, that has a job opening and, and you just never know. So make sure that you're making meaningful um, connections with people, whether you're reaching out through LinkedIn or you have their phone number or you have an email. Don't bombard people though blindly with messages. I think that's a real turnoff um, for people because everyone's getting bombarded right now, especially on LinkedIn. But make sure that that you're really thinking and being thoughtful about who it is that you that you reach out to to network with. And it's always not, hi, how you doing, Jim? I just graduated from college. I'm looking for a job. Who do you know? You know, you want to make sure that you're having, you know, conversations and you're, you know, you're connecting with them and networking. Networking isn't just about reaching out and asking for something. It's about creating a relationship. And sometimes you have to create that relationship before you can ask for something. So keep that in mind. Um, I touched on it a little while ago, but, you know, when you think about, you know, looking and, and kind of thinking outside the box while you are searching for a job and, and your next opportunity, don't stop the learning piece. You know, you're coming out of school, maybe you've been out of school for a couple of years, maybe you're out of work right now. Don't stop learning. Um, always look for new resources, places that offer free learning. There are places that offer other learnings that might be of, of minimal cost. But there's lots of lots of things you can do. Even on LinkedIn, they offer um, a lot of LinkedIn learning opportunities, webcasts, um, um, online kind of panels where you can learn from. But you know, take advantage of those things and and definitely look to sharpen your skills, especially right now in interviewing skills. Because like I mentioned, things are changing the way you know on how we screen candidates and how we engage candidates. And because we can't do in-person interviews anymore, we're doing video interviews. And so most companies are doing the same. So make sure that you're sharpening your skills and presenting yourself uh, appropriately in, in a video interview because nothing has changed from, from the face-to-face -face interview. You definitely wanna make sure that you're presenting yourself professionally and you're bringing your whole self to an interview. So think about yeah. you know, where you're sitting, um, you know, distractions, how you're dressed, how you present yourself, you know, your nonverbal communication, all that still applies in, in the video interviews. And then kind of last but not least, when you think about setting yourself, you know, setting yourself apart from other people, but you know, also kind of going on this, this job hunt, this job journey, you know, set a personal timeline, but be really reasonable. I would say with your goals for finding a job, I think we tend to put a lot of pressure on ourselves to have, you know, to have found a job by a certain period of time and people are stressed. Some people spend eight hours a day looking for jobs. That's not healthy. That is not healthy at all. You need to make sure that you're balancing it. Make sure that you're, that you're budgeting time for, you know, job hunts and, and reaching out and networking. But, you know, find the, find the amount of time that works for you every day, but don't do it all day because you need to make sure that you have a good balance. Um, but it's, 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 a, it's a really interesting time um, to be out on the market looking for a job, whether you're a college student or you're a more seniored employee like myself. But just be patient. Be patient with the process. Some companies are finding that they're having longer hiring processes just because we're all kind of in uncharted waters right now and we're not quite sure when we can actually hire 
we are currently engaging um, talent and looking for, for strong folks to, to pipeline, um, but we aren't always uh, ready to just go ahead and pull the trigger and hire, but we are still engaging talent because we know that at some point we will get approval to make more hires like we were pre-COVID and we'll be ready. So make sure that you know, you're being patient, but that you're still taking the time to, to reach out to, to companies and, and follow up. You know, if you've applied or yeah. if you've reached out, make sure that you follow up. Don't just you know, send out a ton of resumes and applications and then hope and pray that someone gets back to you. You don't hear something you're disappointed. You know, be persistent. You gotta, you gotta go after it. I think you, you share so many things. And, and one of the things that I, I, I talk to my students so much about is having more of a sniper approach of job searching and really focusing on a handful of companies that you really see yourself um, there, like that you culturally, like your, your, your personality matches the culture and you can really feel yourself building a career there because it's not just about having a custom resume or a custom cover letter. The more effort you put into it and the more you can show them that you put a lot of effort into it, the more they, they, they're going to see that to give you the time of day to say, okay, wow, like not only did Daniel create a cover letter and a resume just for this position, but he also did all this research or he also built a 30, 90 day, 30, 60 day, 90 plan. He also created a, why he wants to work at the company. Why should the company hire? Like, why is he the ideal candidate for this job? The more effort you can put, the better off. I was just talking to, um, his name is Austin. Austin, he's very big on LinkedIn. We're talking about a value project. Um, I have my students do something very similar. I said where they would find like the company that they want to work for. And you can't really do this if you're focusing on 50 companies. You have to really have a handful of companies and find a way to add value and show them how much you want. And we, there was this example of this um, student named Nina. I don't know if you ever heard the story of Nina who wanted to work for Airbnb. Did you ever hear the story, Erica? I think I have. I think I have how Nina uh, was in the Middle East and had she wanted to work for Airbnb. So she created this website with a business study why Airbnb should open in the Middle East. Uh, long story short, she ended up working for Airbnb and the website is still up as Nina for the number four, Airbnb.com. So that is kind of like what I encourage my students about this. You can't obviously do that if you're applying to 50 plus companies, but if you have a short list of companies that you really connect with and you want to build your career with and, and you play the long game, you will end up working there. Yeah. It's almost like putting it out in the in the universe, right? You're putting your vision and your and your plan out there and you're 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 paving a way to get there. I think it's smart and it's wise to to tell your to tell your followers that, you know, like again, like don't just apply to a hundred different jobs and, and hope and pray. You're at that point you're just looking for a paycheck. You're really wanting to find a place that's meaningful. And again, more importantly, one that you aspire to work for, one that you can see yourself working for. You don't want to just work anywhere. You know, you want to be happy. We spend a lot of time at work and it's important to find something that you're passionate about because when you're passionate about something, that comes out in your work and, you know, you don't have to work hard at it. It's, it's For some people, I would say the dream job is one that doesn't feel like a job, right? It's something that they get up every day. They look forward to doing. They're energized by it. At the end of the day, they feel good about what they did. And everyone has their own kind of mission and, you know, find that company that you align with. Um, I always kind of give the extreme example that, you know, you couldn't pay me a million dollars to go work in like a meat processing plant or something, you know, or a, a slaughterhouse. It's just not for me, you know, even for a million dollars. I need to work for a company that I believe in. 
I feel good about, I'm giving back to, that gives back. Those are things that align with my personal values. And that's why, you know, I chose to work at Experian and, and, and any employer that I've worked for, those are the same reasons. And as you continue with your career journey, I, I would always encourage people to really give strong thought and consideration to where you apply. Be, 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 you know, make it meaningful, you know, be, you know, don't just throw yourself out there to throw yourself out there. Companies will see that, especially if you apply to the same company multiple times. Applicant tracking systems can see if you've applied 15 times and haven't gotten one of the 15 jobs, right? So definitely think about it and, and put a plan in place. And sometimes it's about, you know, reaching out again, reaching out to your network, finding people. There's career coaches out there. There's people like yourself out there that can provide advice. And there's lots of online information as well. Just make sure that you're putting your best foot forward and that you're showing what value you can add and what you bring to the table that other people might not. Because again, you're competing with a lot of people. You want to make sure that you stand out. Amazing. I cannot even believe how it's been over 30 minutes already. Like, I, I, <laughs> it feels like five minutes. But I do want to, you know, give you an opportunity. Is there, you know, maybe talk about some of the level entry jobs or college jobs that are usually filled by college students? Maybe is there an internship program that you would like to mention? Yeah, so Experience always vested a lot in our summer internship program. Ironically, this year we had to, we had to kind of scale it back just a bit because of COVID, because we're unsure of the economy. So we had about 82 positions that we had open um, in early March, and we've we've had to kind of cut that back. We scaled it back to about 20. Um, but we we certainly see the value in in still having an internship program. So we've just made it virtual. So we are still hiring. Um, we're hiring across various different business lines, um, everything in corporate and finance to our product development, our engineer space. Um, so there's definitely opportunities out there. I know other companies are still doing the same. Um, Experian also has uh, rotational programs. We have an HR graduate program for those that are getting um, their master's in HR. We have a two-year program that we hire for every fall, and we also have an MBA program that we hire for every fall, and that's a 21-month program. So we do a lot of investment in, like I talked about earlier, kind of the growing your own talent space and making sure that we're bringing in, you know, new perspectives, new, you know, fresh new um, candidates and people that can that can really kind of fast track through our company and and make a difference. And so I encourage people to to look online, find other internships, find other companies, but again, make sure that they're companies that you really want to align to. And that you believe in, you can see yourself working for long term. I love it. I just have one more question because you talked about internships and how um, it's it's a big part of your you know program for a pipeline. Mm -hmm. But why do companies you know in, in a in, and I don't want like obviously this could be an episode in itself. But why do companies have internships? Like why pay interns for ten ten weeks, twelve weeks? Um, what's the investment? What's the business purpose behind that? A lot of it has to do with pipelining, right? Some, um, not all of our internships have the intention of going full-time after an internship, because oftentimes we're hiring people that are maybe sophomores or juniors, but there's that potential, right, to kind of, to, to try an intern. It's kind, of, it's kind of like a temp employee. I mean, technically they are temps, but it's the opportunity for us to see maybe there's some, some really great talent there. We're investing in you, you're investing in us, and maybe after you graduate, there will be a full-time opportunity, so why not? Um, it's, it's great. And like I talked about a moment ago, our MBA rotational program where we hire students out of their master's program, that's, a, that's specifically a leadership, a fast track leadership development program. Um, and that's not an internship, but the, that, is, that is our investment in, in students. And so it's really about, you know, again, it kind of goes back to growing your own talent and, and, finding, and finding great talent. But it's also about, in a way, I think it's about giving back, right? 
giving students an opportunity to come and see what it's like to work for Experian. Come in, you know, see what it's like to work in that space. I encourage everybody, at, regardless of what point you are in your college career, to do an internship somewhere because it's the ability for you to kind of get firsthand look and your hands on what it's like to work in a company like that, in an industry like that. And you might find that after your internship, you're super passionate about it still and you're excited you did it. Or you could find on the contrary, like, you know what, that's just not for me. Or maybe that wasn't the company for me. And that's good too, but all of it's great. Again, nothing is wasted. It's all good experience for your resume. But really think about the internships that you do and, and what you can gain from it. Because it's not just you coming in and working for 12 weeks and, and leaving. It's about, you know, how much can you get from it? Really maximize your time. And we encourage our interns to do the same. And we have a very formal program around that. So there's more learning and development opportunities where they hear from senior leaders. We do lunch and learns things like that. So it's a really well-rounded program where people walk away with something very tangible. That's amazing. That, that you, that's such a great way to describe it because it is, um, it is such a smart business sense in terms of when you're building the pipeline and being able to attract and retain top quality, you know, college talent. And so thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. I, I really enjoyed our conversation. I can't believe it's been over 30 minutes. I looked at the clock and I'm like, oh, there's probably 10 minutes left. And I'm like, no, we're over by 10 minutes. But it was, <laughs> it was awesome. Um, any last words you want to share with the, with the student audience? Yeah, no, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. I'm, I'm happy to, to be a resource. If anyone wants to find me on LinkedIn, you can find me at Erica Sande. I work for Experian North America. Um, but really, I, I, like I said, I think, you know, when, one of my main kind of tips, if you will, to just kind of wrap it up is to just don't limit yourself. Don't don't think too narrow about about your career or about what you did in school. Really, really think long and hard about what it is that you're passionate about doing, where where your skills are, um, what you enjoy doing. Most importantly, and and really think about that when you go out there for for your job search. It's it's not always about well, I you know I I majored in finance, so I must have to go into finance. I better find something in finance. It doesn't have to be like that. Because remember, there's a lot of things that you learned before you started taking your core classes in college that still apply. So really think long and hard about what it is that you want to do. But careers are exciting and people can make career changes. So what you majored in in school doesn't always have to be what you're going to do for the next 50 years or whenever you decide to retire. So think about it that way. But just make sure that you're putting your best foot forward and that you have a strong personal brand and that you're marketing yourself well, because there's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of social media out there and you want to make sure that you're representing yourself in the, in the most positive light possible. Amazing. Thank you again so much. Um, I will definitely put your, your LinkedIn um, link in the show notes so people can connect with you and, you know, students, thank you so much for listening and catch you guys on the next episode. All right, my friend, congratulations for making it all the way to the end of the podcast. In the age of short attention span, this speaks volumes of you. So now, if you found value in this episode, then I am sure you're going to find value in the Mastering College to Career Academy. So if you want to learn more a little bit about that academy, go to masteringcollegetocareer.com or just send me a message. And thank you so much for listening and catch you guys all on the next episode.